Are you ready for your new TV obsession? Thursdays on The CW, the network that gave you The Vampire Diaries and Gossip Girl, is bringing you the awesomely dark and addictive new series, Riverdale. Based on Archie Comics, Riverdale puts a super edgy, twisted spin on the classic characters that you know. Did you ever read Archie? Which character are you? Are you a good girl like Betty, or are you more of a Veronica? Are you a golden boy, Archie, or are you a misunderstood loner like Jughead? Which character are you secretly crushing on? Riverdale looks like the perfect, safe, wholesome small town, but it's got huge secrets. It all starts off with a new year at Riverdale High and the mysterious murder of one of its most popular kids. Everyone becomes a suspect, and that's when the sordid details about what everyone really did over the summer and with whom begin to surface. You won't believe what the people in this town are hiding. Don't miss the new must-see drama Riverdale, Thursdays at 9, 8 central, only on The CW. Company live from the boardroom. It's Rob has a podcast. And now here's a guy whose entire body is the consistency of cottage cheese. I'm Rob Sister Dino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to week five of the Celebrity Apprentice recap podcast. Very excited to talk about another three firing night on the Celebrity Apprentice and a lot to talk through here with our panel. First, let me bring in a woman who single-handedly is responsible for all of the RHAP t-shirts never being tied up too tight. Megan Z. Megan, how are you? I love this podcast. Woo! Woo! And then also a man who is soon launching his own line of 200 gram protein powder. (laughs) Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you? Come on, Ahab Nation. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, stand up. Here's Lisa Leslie to wrap it out for you. Or should I say Rahap? (laughs) Yes. Get hype, everybody. Woo, where's the t-shirt cannon? It's it's situated in Boy George's hat. It's a a little camera that comes out of a hat and shoots the t-shirts your way. (laughs) All right. uh, We have a Clippers task to talk through. We have a QVC task to talk to. Lisa Gibbons was back. So uh, a fun-filled night on The Celebrity Apprentice. So a a lot to talk through. Three people have gone home uh, tonight, including Ricky Williams, Carson Kressley and Lisa Leslie. That rhymes, Mike. That could have been a line in the rap song. Yes, along with all the other numbers that Lisa was sprawling out of her mouth, which I don't know if they're even affiliated with basketball or if they're affiliated with Lost or her (laughs) tax expenses. Uh, I'm I'm starting to see a little bit of what you were talking about here last week, Rob. And maybe it's admittedly a bitter taste in my mouth and my boy Carson having to get the axe here and go to the chopper. But I feel like this season, especially in its later stages, is missing some of that train wrecky fun. I feel like this task was like a or this this episode was sort of like a game of inches of perfectly adequate responses to tasks. I feel like there might have been points at, at times where we were thinking like, oh, this team is really going to flame out or it's going to blow up in their faces. But all four showings here on tonight's episode were pretty good. 
And I think we're really missing the propensity of the Celebrity Apprentice to really have teams crash and burn, even as so far late in this game. Yeah, Megan, I was saying last week that I felt like with the departure of Chael, I felt like that we were missing any sort of wild card that could really hinder any of the teams. And I thought that we might just be a little bit uh, run of the mill with these tasks over the next couple of weeks. Are you seeing that as well? I am seeing that. And last week you asked, whose season is this? And I think there's now only one answer. It's Arnold's season. And I do think yes. tonight was Arnold's best night. It might have been oh, Arnold's you know, greatest hits tonight. Uh, there was a lot of great Arnold stuff uh, that we will talk through over the course of the night. And I think that it's also time to explore potentially an unhealthy relationship between Arnold Schwarzenegger and the always bullied Patrick Schwarzenegger. <laughs> This poor man. I think we're getting an introspection into what Schwarzenegger family reunions might be like. There's a lot of hazing. A lot of weightlifting and a lot of hazing, it seems. Yeah, okay. So uh, we will talk through all that here tonight. And two weeks from tonight, it's going to be the big finale of Celebrity Apprentice. We're down to our final four. And it's sort of a wacky final four. I don't know if anybody would have predicted it. But here we are. And uh, we will get down to, I guess, the final two in one week's time, Megan. Do we know, is there going to be a live finale and a live reunion? I haven't heard any sort of big hype around it. I don't know. Mike, do you have any ideas on this? I have no intel here, but I guess you'd have to think. I mean, it would be filmed in like the the early evening if they're filming on the West Coast, right? So that might be weird in terms of a filming schedule. I mean, I know the the boardrooms have always been live in Apprentice seasons past, but they've never been big hullabaloo's like survivor live finales maybe i could definitely see uh, schwarzenegger skipping that and deciding to you know tape it to make sure everything's polished uh but at the same time arnold has proved himself to be extremely unpredictable so i could definitely see him trying to stay the course of the previous incarnation and try to go live as well though again with this cast maybe if we get you know chael and john lovitz back out there might be some fun fireworks but Considering some of the incarnations of celebrities we have on this season, I don't know if it makes for that magnanimous of a finale overall. That's a good point. And I think that the issue is going to be that if they were planning on this being like this big runaway hit, which I think that as you're doing the show, I think you have to sort of plan for that. They wouldn't have done any sort of they would have done it exactly the same as every other apprentice season in the past. And I don't think being on the West Coast is prohibitive in terms of doing the finale live. The survivor finales are on the West Coast all the time. So that would be fine. But I just think that they probably didn't film a finale and they're going to have to do it live one way or another because that's how every other Apprentice season has gone. And it'll be interesting uh, to see how that live finale uh, shapes up, Megan. Yeah, that'll be exciting to see. I mean, hopefully we uh, won't just get a bunch of interviews for the Glaciers. Hopefully, basically everyone will get the quick back row question and we'll spend a lot of time on uh, the people who can bring it. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to wait. We'll put a pin and pin on that until next week when we do our own draft of who won't get talked to at the Apprentice (laughs) Live finale. (laughs) Yeah. And will uh, Boy George and Vince Neil do a duet together? Bring back purple stuff. Yeah. The real question (laughs) for the draft is going to be who won't show up to the finale? Because you always have that weird thing where in the Celebrity Apprentice finale, a lot of people just don't come to it. Carrie Keegan's too busy that night. She has a previous engagement. Who knows? Who knows how it's going to all uh, go down. But let's get into talking about this. We'll talk through both of the tasks and we'll go in uh, chronological order. And why don't we start with the Staples Center or the Clippers task 
for this uh, week where Steve Ballmer, Mike, did you have any idea that he was such a character? No, uh, I'll be completely honest. I know that some athletes uh, of really high character value can be affiliated with athletics sometimes, but sometimes, you know, they're total to, for use a term that Megan used previously glaciers. I did not realize that this man was a sports team owner. I did not know he was a CEO. I did not realize he was an escaped mental patient. I learned many <laughs> things about Steve Ballmer this week. Yeah. Megan, did you have any backstory on Steve Ballmer? I was pretty familiar with Steve Ballmer. I had seen the clips of him running around. I knew that uh, he was he like lived uh, down the dorm from Bill Gates. And he famously said that the iPhone will never sell. So I was fairly familiar with uh, who Mr. Ballmer was. So we should assume that the red T-shirt will be a colossal bust. <laughs> he also came up with the he also supported the surface. So uh, mm, probably. Yeah. Of course, uh, that it would have been really wacky if we would have gotten the former owner of the Clippers to host a task. But uh, no, Donald Sterling not available. So here's Steve Ballmer really trying to uh, get the Clippers brand going. And uh, he wants the Celebrity Apprentice teams to come out and get the crowd hyped. Megan, I feel like that this is an odd choice for a Celebrity Apprentice task. Yeah, it all boiled down to like 90 seconds and it was all in front of a live audience. Um, so they were really they were really on fire there where they had to act right away. I kind of thought it was interesting, though. It was something new that it wasn't if they had said, let's make a viral video for the Clippers. I would have been like, uh, again, like, really? Oh, this, is, this is exciting. Chael missed out on a week with the Clippers, considering he had scissors in hand last week. He really missed out on his calling. Yeah, he could have been the new Clippers mascot. I was hoping that we would get a uh, Natalie Tenerelli sighting in the episode, but I don't think she was there. Yeah, it seemed like from the articles that were sent to us beforehand of, you know, obviously this was covered a while ago. And that's another thing. If we do do a live finale, this will have taped almost a full year after the rest of the season had filmed. So that's its own level of awkward. But yeah, it seemed like she was in attendance, but maybe she wasn't shown. So maybe she doesn't particularly stand under Mark Burnett's umbrella, even though she's participated in one of his shows. Okay. Lisa Leslie is going to be the project manager for Prima. Ricky Williams is going to be the project manager for Arete. And this is for a huge $75,000 pot. First time that we've had a task for more than 50000 other than the money raised for charity in quite some time. And so we, our teams go back to headquarters and Arete ends up keying in on an idea that Matt Eisman uh, seemingly has found a video of Steve Ballmer. Megan, you mentioned it. Uh, let me play a little bit of that clip for you guys. This is uh, from the Steve Ballmer going crazy video on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Bomber! He makes Howard Dean look like a nun by comparison. Yeah, that's how I'm going to come out on the next live know-it-alls, I think. (laughs) Just keep yelling, who said sit down? Who said sit down? Yeah. Uh, Do you like, Mike, how uh, we have, what is that, uh, Gloria Estefan, get on your feet? 
I mean, with the NBC comparison, I was waiting for Arete to really go all on and have them uh, walk out on the ice with a three-legged dog and slip on it while get on your feet played in the background. They really missed out on that synergetic opportunity. What about all the Microsoft people uh, cheering, uh, Megan? Uh, who knew that they were so pumped up? Yeah, that's what they do at these events. They try to get you pumped up, um, get people ready to go. You know, he, he famously said he wanted the... Uh, the web developers to get excited because he knows the PR people can get excited. So, you know, I'm, I, I feel what he's doing. I, I like what he's trying to do there. It's, do you want to hear lot, Steve but... Ballmer laughing at the iPhone? Yeah, that'd be good. Steve, let me ask you about uh, the iPhone and the Zune, if, if I may. The Zune uh, is getting some traction and Steve Jobs goes to Macworld and he, he pulls out this iPhone. What was your first reaction when you saw that? <laughs> $500 fully subsidized with a plan. I said, that is the most expensive phone in the world. And it doesn't appeal to business customers because it doesn't have a keyboard, which makes it not a very good email machine. Yes. Get on your feet and get out of this shareholders meeting because you don't hold any more Apple stock. <laughs> was the only thing on his Zoom Gloria Estefan? <laughs> it was either that or Conga. <laughs> yes. Hey, yeah, throw this iPhone away. Where's the keyboard? <laughs> Put that in the T-shirt gun. Get it out of here. Why didn't Steve Ballmer go full John Tesh and just go into the music industry after uh, after founding Microsoft or not uh, working on Microsoft, I should say. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have the Arete plan where uh, we're going to uh, see Matt Eisman attempt to go full bomber. More on that to come. Meanwhile, it didn't look like Team Prima was getting off on the right foot. They had some ideas. They were going to have Boy George perform a song. And Mike, I was saying to myself, I don't know how that's going to play during a timeout during the Clippers game. Well, especially without Vince Neal, you know, that's like <laughs> the Beatles without John. Yeah. I mean, Vince Neal would have probably involved the Clipper girls a bit more, Megan. <laughs> yeah. Going down a slip and slide of white wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to get some oil, get it all on the, the, the basketball court and get the girls in like some white t-shirts and get them sliding, coming in, in the room. <laughs> yeah, Vince's t-shirt would have been that one that has like the bikini painted on it with uh, clippers <laughs> written across it. <laughs> yeah, uh, too bad uh, Vince Neal couldn't have been there to uh, encounter the clippers dancers. But uh, we get these t-shirts being made that the Team Prima t-shirt, Megan, is going to incorporate some symbols. Uh, could you explain some of the uh, iconography that's going into uh, this very fancy Prima shirt? Sure. So we were going to have one teeny tiny symbol to represent each of the people on Team Prima. So we had Carson's classic phrase, zhuzh, which in case if you didn't know how to spell that, now you would. Um, so it wouldn't be to zhuzh if yeah. you were mispronouncing it. <laughs> which I don't think I've uh, heard since 2005, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> much that's trending, zhuzhing. You had uh, Boy George's signature hat. <laughs> Yeah, which yeah, but, I didn't realize just, this was his hat. I thought it was Pharrell's hat. Like every time I think yeah. it, like, oh, I didn't know this was his. Yeah. Well, it, did, the, it also is one of those things that does not look good in silhouette. Like the, I know the Photoshop guy tried to do the best job he could, but I don't know. It looked like some sort of like aborted Play-Doh sculpture <laughs> in silhouette. Here's what I want to know. How come like five years ago, overweight, depressed boy George doesn't have a hat. Why does only skinny, not depressed boy George get to wear the hat? 
Well, maybe, maybe after Boy George, you know, lost 90 pounds, he metaphorically fell down the rabbit hole and he has truly <laughs> assimilated into his role as the Mad Hatter by wearing this ridiculous dollhouse prop on yes. his head week after week. Megan, is Boy George's hat some sort of magical Frosty the Snowman type hat where <laughs> if he wears it, he becomes like the skinny Boy George, but if he loses his hat, he gains 100 pounds and gets depressed? That's what happened. He was walking on the street one day and the hat blew on his head and the weight just started to fall off of him. <laughs> yes. yes, and all the all the shirtless men just followed him around like the children in the, in the original cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a good line uh, when they talked about how Blake Griffin was a power forward. Uh, and he says that, uh, no, he's a power bottom. RuPaul's Drag Race coverage coming to reality <laughs> TV wrap-ups <laughs> next month. As the expert, yeah, on the panel as the uh, RuPaul's Drag Race coverage. Uh, so Arete, uh, they are going with the classic black shirt. And I think it's been a storyline over these last couple of weeks about how Brooke Burke is always just trying to throw Ricky Williams under the bus. Megan, uh, even tonight, throwing shade at his T-shirt because he didn't have a doodle on the back. I liked the use of the word doodle. Like, they're like, can you doodle? Can you do? When was the last time you used the word doodle? Hmm. Um, but uh, we even got the, the confessional from Matt even saying, like, you know, Brooke always covers her ass. So at least other people are talking about it, too, that they, they're on to her. They're on to her, her plan. She got really mad when that was brought up in the boardroom that Brooke is always like, I, that is not what I do. That is the opposite of what I do. And in fairness, uh, as we saw with the obsidian later, that, that is the opposite of what she does, Mike. Yeah, though, here she is implementing that Lisa Leslie strategy, which does pay off in some respects. Granted, it did not let Lisa go all the way. But, I mean, we can talk about Ricky Williams as a PM, I'm sure, as a, on the whole later on. I think it was very clear from, like, minute 10 that Ricky Williams was going to go home in this first hour. And he definitely didn't make things better by sort of, you know, de decrying any sort of uh, any sort of criticism against his idea of the classic black T-shirt with nothing on the back of it. <laughs> Why? Do you need to have a lot on the back of the T-shirt? I mean, if you're going for something commemorative and something memorable and something especially creative, uh, as much as, you know, Ricky might want to be postmodern, a blank back of the T-shirt does not exactly scream creative to me. Wow, Mike, really coming down hard on uh, blank backs of T-shirts. I'm being blunt. Yes, yeah, you are. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this meeting of Steve Ballmer and uh, Team Arete. And I think this is a little bit of an unlucky break because here comes Steve Ballmer to go talk with Team Arete, whereas Patrick goes and talks to Team Prima. And I think that this was a big mistake that Team Arete makes by going and telling Steve Ballmer what they're going for. They sort of tip their hand and Matt Eisman, who always brings a lot of energy to everything he does. Uh, this was not a big leap for him to impersonate Steve Ballmer that he tells the idea, Megan, to Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer seems uh, not nearly as enthusiastic as he was the day that he was going crazy. <laughs> He did not say four words. I love this idea. 
And it's like Steve doesn't even know that like this is not even as excited as Matt can get. If Steve Ballmer would have come in in a Harry Potter robe, then you would have been able to see exactly <laughs> how pumped Matt can get. Yeah. And I can relate to this because I think that everybody was excited about this idea and they wanted Matt to show off for Steve Ballmer and like impress him. But this comes up every single time a person that I do an impression of is <laughs> in my presence. And then there's always somebody who forces me or the person in question says, Oh yeah, do your impression of me. And it never, it never goes well. It's never received. Well, the other person never says, Oh my God, you nailed it. That was perfect. That was so me. That was so yeah. me. And Steve Ballmer definitely gives like the, uh, Kenneth, the survivor finale, uh, version of, yeah, that seems like some artificial enthusiasm. Was that shameless pandering? Yeah, did Jonathan Penner say you were doing shameless pandering that one time after Philippines? <laughs> shameless pandering does sound like something that Jonathan Penner would say. That sounded like some shameless pandering, if you ask me. And it's bollocks. <laughs> so I feel like that the bomber encounter, Megan, uh, did suck some of the air out of the presentation. It did a little bit because it made them all skeptical. But also, can we talk about how Layla said, I have no voice and I can't speak. And as soon as Steve walked in, she was like, hey, Steve, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Layla, I think, did uh, skate by like she was on a uh, obsidian board later on in the episode. Somehow, even just mustering up like a little bit of a fight is going to save her uh, later on in the boardroom. Um, but now Patrick Schwarzenegger comes and talks to Team Prima. Mike, we found out that Patrick Schwarzenegger is the subject of Carson's crush, and he calls him Patches. Yes, old Patches. Nothing sounds sexier than talking about him like he's a poor orphan boy with that nickname. <laughs> old sexy Patches. That's how Arnold thinks of him as the poor orphan boy of the family. Yeah, that might be an upgrade from how Arnold Schwarzenegger is talking about him. Um, That's true. Patrick Schwarzenegger was really down on the idea that Lisa Leslie was not going to be... Uh, she's not doing anything with the ball. I really would like to see some uh, some ball work here. <laughs> Mike, would Patrick Schwarzenegger have been more comfortable at a Harlem Globetrotters show? <laughs> yes, I do what they do with the Globetrotters. Uh, stand on a ladder, have a big afro, some mysteries with Scooby-Doo, you know, all that. If you could do that in the 90 seconds, that'd be grand. Megan, did you side with Lisa on the question of her doing stuff with the ball or did you think that Team Schwarzenegger made a good point in this episode? I think that Lisa did kind of keep it a little safe by not wanting to shoot and miss. I mean, you would think she would be able to find a place on the court where she knows she'd make it, but she could have at least held a basketball or when she ran out to do her uh, her her rap that she acted like she had never done before, um, <laughs> that she could have at least dribbled a ball a little bit. Oh, that's some shade, Megan. Are you saying that Lisa Leslie is a part-time rapper? It's like she was like, I've never done this before. It's like, you know, like, I've done it in my car. She's done it in her car. Like, she was at least wrapped in her car. Yeah, that counts. She said, like, she's never done this before. Like, she had, like, if someone was like, oh, Lisa, can you sing, like, you know, soprano opera? It's like, well, I've never done it before, but I'm going to try. But uh, I get the idea that she's probably, like, played around with it in her car. She was pumped to do it. Mike, does car wrapping constitute counting as wrapping? 
We'll ask James Corden. He probably knows best out of all of us. <laughs> yeah. Do they have any rapping on carpool karaoke? If James Corden sat in the driver's seat with Lisa Leslie, maybe it would have been official then. Maybe that would have been her uh, her own test drive, if you will, for her time at the Clippers timeout. Which, by the way, it also is weird going back to the idea of this task that it wasn't even a halftime show. It was a a timeout thing. So they come out during like 90 seconds while the team has to break. So you have to be ready at any point in time for any time they call a timeout to just rush out there with your t-shirts and your pop songs and gospel singers to let it loose. Well, I do have a clipper of Lisa Leslie's rap from the Clipper Nation song. Let's see uh, how good, uh, how professional she is. Everybody sounds like she hands. was. It looks like she was doing like the the chorus to uh, "It's the End of the World as We Know It." <laughs> Lisa Leslie, fifty-three. JJ Reddick hitting threes. Lisa Leslie in the house. Clipper Nation, shout it out. <laughs> Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> JFK, blown away. What else do I have to say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We get to the game and our teams come out 90 seconds and uh, Team Eisman is going to come out ready to go uh, full bomber. And Mike, do you ever go full bomber? Uh, you might want to apply some cream after you go full bomber. <laughs> Who told you to put the bomb on? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a good tweet and I have to give credit to uh, Matt Eisman who was uh, tweeting back to uh, a bunch of us on Twitter, including uh, the great Kurt Clark. Uh, Matt is uh, a good sport about it. And uh, somebody had tweeted in the mix about how I had tweeted, uh, you never go full bomber. And uh, somebody else in the thread had tweeted, better than going full sterling. And uh, Matt Eisman <laughs> did favorite that tweet. So yeah, you never want to go full sterling. Full bomber is okay. You do that before full sterling anytime. The only, the only sterling I know is Roger Sterling. And even then, you don't want to imitate <laughs> yeah. him during a, a timeout game. <laughs> it's not that far away. Okay. Uh, so Matt introduces everybody that's coming out. We've talked about the idea of Matt having a crush on Brooke Burke. He calls her the lady with the legendary legs. Megan, was that Brooke Burke's nickname? Uh, I had never heard that before, but maybe within like uh, Matt's like fan groups about Brooke Burke and like on her like pages about like art about her that maybe that's what they call her. You've seen the poster, Rob. Does she have legendary legs? Is that what you'd call her? I think that the poster is like from the waist up. I don't even think her <laughs> legs are in the picture. <laughs> I don't even know. Did a search of uh, Brooke Burke legs. Uh, really nothing re- is showing up. Uh, first result is for uh, Brooke Burke's feet on WikiFeed. That's a safe search. Safe search. Don't go down that rabbit hole. She was on Dancing with the Stars, so I guess there's you know a little bit of clout there. Yeah, Should Matt have then know. said the female with the fine feet, Brooke Burke, coming out onto the half the court? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why they did so well on those Obsidian sales, Mike. Once they got a close up of the Brooke Burke feet, that whole uh, Wiki Feet crew. You know, when uh, when women get older, they look at their feet like bags of potatoes. Uh, they want to know that you have good feet like Brooks. <laughs> and then all of the pictures come in from Julian Assange. I'll go into the wiki feet. <laughs> they, they leak all the feet pictures of Brooke Burke. 
<laughs> uh, all right. So they come out. The Eisman thing goes somewhat well to start. And then it sort of dies out. Ricky Williams sort of brings it back. But there is a little bit of shade cast towards Brooke and Layla, Megan, uh, that they really didn't do anything. They were sort of just like, you know, bopping back and forth. Yeah, Brooke was trying really hard to get in that circle of Clippers girl, Clippers girls. Is that what they're called? Um, she was trying really hard. Like she was about two inches away from the circle. She was trying to wiggle her way in there. No, wasn't going to happen. And then we got to see Team Prima come out. Uh, we got the Lisa Leslie rap. Uh, and then we got a T-shirt presented to Steve Ballmer. Not not shot out of a cannon or, you know, uh, rolled up like a diploma, Mike. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Arnold probably doing the best work, mime work since Marcel Marceau on camera in terms of uh, showing the conundrum we commonly face at basketball games, at least I'm assuming, of having to get copious amounts of tape off of a T-shirt. But yeah, Carson bypassed that. I thought he'd get knocked on it at first for, you know, depriving Steve of the full audience experience by handing him a t-shirt but it seemed they actually preferred that and it just did not distract them from watching uh george and his gospel choir take a move run around the half court yeah the audience i guess they really like that anthem for uh the carson Clippers. had like braveheart makeup on <laughs> yeah they liked it okay so we got to the boardroom and schwarzenegger comes in steve bomber is there and he says uh Look at me and Steve Ballmer. Together we are combined worth of $25 billion. You know, he's worth 24 and a half and I am worth half a billion. And, and Patrick, he is worth nothing. He's worthless. Uh, Megan, poor Patrick. Poor Patches. Poor, poor, poor patches. patches. Poor old Patches. I feel kind of bad for calling him boring and making fun of him now so much because it's clear that he's been made fun of his entire life. I'm sure he came to this country thinking, like, I will benefit on the success of my uncle. He will take me under his wing. No. And his uncle basically shoved him out of the nest at this point. I mean, it's just like that he's being abused by his, like, one family member in a position of power, and there's nothing that he can do. He just has to take it. Just uh, getting chastised by... Arnold Schwarzenegger all the time. Thank you, Governor. May I have another? <laughs> <laughs> all right. They talk about the different presentations. Uh, again, we go back to that. Uh, Steve Ballmer would have liked to have seen Lisa Leslie take a three point shot. I have to say, I agree with Lisa Leslie on that. I mean, if she takes a three point shot and she misses, then then they're going to get all over her for that. Uh, she could have held a basketball. I do see that, but I think that there's too many things that could go wrong with uh, coming out onto the stage and having to, uh, you know, hit a shot cold in the middle of the game. So I, I didn't have an issue with that. And uh, we really, uh, and Bomber then goes on to talk about the other team and it was shameless. It was goofy. You didn't beg for it. Mike, was Steve Bomber being too hard on uh, Team Arete? I think he was just uh, quoting his favorite Showtime show, Shameless, by promoting that adjective so many times. Yeah, this was a little harsh. I mean, I guess to Steve Ballmer, imitation is not the sincerest form of flattery. I guess he felt that he was such an unattainable level of energy and infamy that no one would ever be able to reach it. But I do feel like Arete probably got very hardly graded, but at the same time, they definitely put themselves on that grading spectrum in the first place by even deciding to compare themselves to Steve by trying to imitate him. I guess so. But Megan, I don't mind the enthusiasm. I feel like on a season where so many people are rolling over and dying, I like Matt's enthusiasm. 
I like Matt's enthusiasm. And I was pumped to see, you know, we for probably this is the most vocal third person we've had in the in the boardroom since Tyra, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely was the most vocal, I think, in terms of saying anything interesting and weighing in. <laughs> That's his M.O. <laughs> yeah, he was into it. He loved the Clipper Nation song. So uh, yes. good job by Team Prima and Arete is going to go to the boardroom. Can't wait uh, for Natalie Tannarelli to Dance to Boy George's C-list sighting of Rise Clipper Nation. Yeah, well, maybe she could be in the rap video. DJ 53, JJ Redding hitting threes. Natalie. in the house. Clipper Nation shout it out. Yeah. Boston Rob. <laughs> Philip too. <laughs> Ashley, you. We, we like rice. How about you? Crispy, please. <laughs> The Ome Tepe rap. The rap of Tepe's. <laughs> okay. So we start to really drill down with Team Arete. And Matt throws Layla under the bus a little bit about she really didn't do anything. And uh, we talk about how Layla didn't have a lot of energy. But Arnold has a prop. And, uh, you know, it's fitting we've seen Carrot Top <laughs> twice already this season. But Arnold has a prop. And he wants to talk about how difficult it was for people to open the T-shirts that Team Arete was giving out. Now, while the show is going on, we now want to inspect the T-shirt. We're looking around and we're going, well, wait a minute, Steve, I know you're very impatient. That is not my fault here. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to get... Hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. Okay, right, let's, okay, let's, let's watch the show. Let's watch the show. But it is, wait a minute. Oh. There we are. Oh, there's, there's the shirt. <laughs> It's not even my size after waiting all this time. (laughs) And then I spend all this time opening up the shirt, and then there's not even a doodle on the back. (laughs) I'll use this tape to gag myself so I can die sad knowing I did not get a good t-shirt presentation. Yeah. You know, we spend every other moment in the boardroom on this show talking about the physical strength of Arnold Schwarzenegger, how he is literally (laughs) the strongest man in the world. And then we give him a t-shirt with too much scotch tape on it. And it's like, Oh, I cannot open this shirt. It was taking me so long just to get the shirt open. It was such a project for me. I'm not strong enough to open up this little shirt. (laughs) Masking tape. My one weakness. How did you know? (laughs) It's too much tape. <laughs> I'd like to see Arnold try to like open all of his Christmas presents. Like the family's just sitting there. Like six hours later, he's opened his like socks and maybe like a shirt. I, I can't open it. I blame you, Patrick. You get no gifts this year, Patrick. I told you I only wanted gift cards. You know I have a problem with the tape and the presents and all of these things. Oh my god! Gift bags uh, are bust. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite part. Speaking of bust, did you see the giant bust of Arnold in the lobby? Have we not seen that before on the show? I don't think I caught it. <laughs> there, I don't in, think I caught behind, it either. Behind the the woman in the lobby, there is a big golden bust of Arnold's head at the cornerstone of Schwarzenegger Inc. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe Steve Ballmer brought it as a housewarming gift. <laughs> yeah, it could be very possible. <laughs> He asked Arnold, did you want a Zune or a bust of your head? Because <laughs> just like the iPhone was a bust, here's a bust of your head. 
<laughs> All right. So then we got to the point where they were talking about whose shirt was better. And then uh, Arnold was trying to trap them with, a, are you saying that Steve Ballmer has no taste? The man who said that the Zune was going to be better than the iPhone. Are you saying that he doesn't know what he's talking about? The man who wears a polo shirt in the boardroom. He clearly has the best <laughs> taste of us all. Clearly, clearly. Uh, Brooke is trying to bring it back to the empty space on the T-shirt. Uh, it's really like a, a loser of an argument. It's not really anything that's going to make or break. Uh, but they start to pile on Layla uh, about does she have negative energy, Megan? Yeah, but but Layla says, don't worry. She was making eye contact with people in the audience, which I don't think counted as part of the criteria for this. Arnold doesn't see any joy from her. He doesn't see her, he doesn't see her smiling. Uh, and Arnold is very big on smiling. I remember that in my days, in my bodybuilding days, when I was competing, people always said, Arnold, you train harder than anyone else, but you always smile. Why is that? And I said, because I have a very clear vision and every rep that I do, every set that I do gets me one step closer to making this vision turn into reality. And that excites me. All right. Well, so one thing Ricky over had over Layla, I'm sure he has no problem smiling at any point during the day. <laughs> Uh, he didn't seem that jovial over uh, too much this season, Mike. Maybe he uh, he threw his voice out trying to scream up the rest of the presentation and try to get the crowd riled up. But yeah, I'm sure we can uh, give a full eulogy for Ricky Williams later on. But yeah, he, a little bit of a dud, I would say, in Mr. Williams. Yes. Are you talking about overall or in this task? In this task, but it's sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say this was a general spike or dip in energy compared to everything else. I think the most riled up we've seen him be was when Shale tried to throw him under the bus back in week three. Yeah, the chart was probably akin to the uh, Team Prima QVC graph threshold. Yes. We never really, yeah. oh, do that again. That's working. That's working. Go back to that. But there's <laughs> no producer telling him to, yeah, there's no, she's the producer in, in uh, Ricky's head is doing the Lisa Leslie and not telling him to change anything. Just Say, keep on keeping on. You'll be just fine. Yeah. Okay, maybe something will work. Uh, but Megan, were you that impressed with Layla in the boardroom where she was talking about how much fight she has? No, I thought that the, when we, we got the double boot tease that it was going to be here and it was going to be Layla and Ricky. She was sort of like, oh no, believe me, I'll fight. I'll fight. Uh, physical, mental, believe me. that uh, I don't have to do anything right now, but trust me, uh, I'll fight. They were like, and wow, the- she really came alive. Whoa. Yeah, now that I see the fire in your eyes, now I know. I thought Ricky also had a kind of a loser argument with Layla where he said to her that maybe she should have been the project manager because didn't you fight at the Staples Center? Just because <laughs> <laughs> haven't you been in this building before? So shouldn't you be the project manager? Don't you know anything about how to make people go nuts in this building? <laughs> yeah, you've been to L.A. Theoretically, you should be the project manager on every task since it does take place in L.A. I'm not from here. You know yeah. it better than I do. I did think it was a little unfair, Arnold's criteria to fire Ricky. He says, uh, Ricky, you've lost twice in a row. You're terminated. In fairness, uh, he did lose the fundraising task to uh, Vince Neal that he raised over $300,000 for charity, which went to Vince Neal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I felt like that, that he did a, a, a pretty great job in that task that he lost. So I thought that was a little, uh, a little ticky tack for Arnold to bring that up, Megan. Yeah, it definitely was. And all of these tasks he's had to deal with Brooke Burke breathing down his shoulders. So, I mean, it just he's had to handle that as well. Yeah. Brooke had her serious face on in this boardroom. Maybe it was just the uh, the very straightened and quaffed back hair, but she had her game face on. She did. She did. And uh, it would all be a setup for when she's going to take the helm as project manager 
in uh, the second task. Uh, any final thoughts on Ricky Williams, Mike? Uh, I have about 420 thoughts, but I'll save that for another podcast. Megan, who is the most interesting former football player to grace the celebrity prince? I feel like we've had a lot of them, and I feel like most of them are pretty duddy. Yeah, I'm 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 blanking on who the best is here. I think Herschel think Walker is probably number one, and I feel he like that's pretty he's good. still not even that great as a, a celebrity apprentice contestant. Yeah, Herschel was pretty good. Herschel was pretty good. He was fine. He was fine. Uh but the two this season, uh Ricky Williams and Eric Dickerson, uh Dudsville uh indeed. All right. So before we get into the second task, let me just take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. And those are the good people at refinancedance.com. Because if you're a homeowner and you owe less than six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars on your home, you need to know about refinancedance.com. You don't need any of those uh clippers, cheerleaders uh to be dancing at refinance dance. Com. And they've got some surprising information for homeowners because did you know that a qualified homeowner can take advantage of Congress's once in a lifetime mortgage relief program called HARP? It's a program that's totally free and doesn't add any cost to your refi. The only bad news is like most government benefits, the program will expire Homeowners who act before the program expires this year can take advantage of the greatest mortgage reduction program in U.S. history. Harp's a program with no downside. All it does is help qualified owners get better, more affordable mortgages. You don't have to be Steve Ballmer to get excited about that. Responsible homeowners have used Harp to eliminate up to 15 years of mortgage payments, cut their interest rates in half, or have simply lowered their monthly payments and saved up to $4,100 a year. So if you want to learn more about Harp, and the shocking amount you could save by refinancing, you need to connect with the lenders at refinancedance.com. It's a name that makes you smile. Savings that make you dance. Refinancedance.com. That's refinancedance.com. All right. Let's talk about the second task of the night on The Celebrity Apprentice, and that is the QVC task. And Mike, Lisa Gibbons is back. The queen has returned. She's even decked out in purple. Uh, I think from what we said at the end of our last... Marie on Breaking Bad? Yes. uh, (laughs) What does it mean? She hopefully did not steal a lot of supplies from Gold's Gym upon exiting it. Uh, But I I think, uh, you know, we we said at the end of last season's podcast that I think Lisa actually might have been one of the best winners. Not the most exciting winner, but one of the best, most solid winners the franchise has ever seen. So I'm happy that they brought her back in this capacity. And she was very vocal as well. We got two very vocal task judges this episode. Lisa Gibbons uh, was uh, really flexing her muscle uh, like she was using a a double flex here in uh, her return to Celebrity Apprentice, Megan. The Gibbonator. She's here. Lisa, you're the Gibbonator. Uh, yes, the crossover Apprentice star uh, that she has now appeared in both versions of Celebrity Apprentice. And I believe, is she the first person in history to appear in both the Trump and Schwarzenegger versions of The Apprentice? I would assume so. I don't think we've had anyone else crossover. Carrot Top? Carrot Top might have shown up in the background of one of Tom Green's tasks on Celebrity <laughs> Apprentice. I feel like they're akin to each other. But yeah, yeah I, I think, I think she, she might be the first. From King's Hawaiian. Oh, yeah. I guess if you count the executives, then yeah, there might be some crossover there. But maybe she's the first person of repute to cross over. Because I was okay. going to say the Hooters girls, but uh, no, those aren't of uh, repute either. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, QVC, uh, they want to sell some gym equipment. They go to Gold's Gym, where Arnold used to work out. 
Brooke Burke is going to be the project manager for Team Arete. Carson is going to take the helm for Team Prima. And uh, Arnold goes back to the Hasta La Vista babies, Megan. Does it feel weird when he's forcing that in? It feels a little weird. It's it's he didn't need to say it, but, uh, you know, we'll take it. I yeah. like a bye-bye better than this. <laughs> Hasta La Vista Babies sounds like a kid's Terminator show that they would do on, like, Saturday mornings. <laughs> yeah. Why are they babies? Baby Sarah Connor. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really get that. Anyway, so we have our product draft. Uh, Megan, I feel like that sometimes on The Celebrity Apprentice, we get some juice out of this when both teams want the same product. But I think with four products in the mix, I think it sort of uh, really reduced the probability we would have a conflict. Yeah, the last time or the last time I recall us having a QVC project, there was a uh, battle over the coveted ladder cart. Um, But uh, surprisingly here, nobody else wanted what is probably just the, the double flex is like this crazy archery turkey baster garlic press looking fitness product nobody else wanted it yeah press garlic and work out all in one (laughs) yeah mike what do you think of the double press double flex the the double flex i mean it 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 looked it definitely looked lightweight and i guess simpler to use than the other ones looked you know simpler in design but probably a little more complicated i know we didn't get to see the oval jumper nor the flex core eight i don't know what flex cores one through seven looked like <laughs> either uh but the total body gym i'm i'm still a little confused and maybe this is carson not doing his job of how exactly that works on your entire body but maybe that's piqued my interest enough for me to pay 99.99 to get one in my home and test it out myself yeah, I don't know exactly uh, how it works. Uh, I'm looking at it on Amazon. It does retail on Amazon for uh, $99. And I can put a link in the show notes if anybody wants to pick one up. Uh, it does look like you could do like leg exercises as well with the Double Flex uh, Portable Gym. But I think that the thing that was attractive was that you didn't have to wait a month on the shipping for it, Megan. Yeah, I'm not sure that really matters. I mean, QVC is all about impulse purchasing. So someone's going to buy it. I don't know if they necessarily, if QVC always advertises if something's going to come in a month or not. That doesn't, whenever I've watched QVC, I don't ever think I remember hearing anybody say something's on back order. Uh, Yeah, I feel like this is not like that much of a high priority. I need it now product. I'm sure people would be fine with waiting a month. It's not like they were selling like insulin on QVC (laughs) that like you you need to order this and get it tomorrow. Like I feel pretty comfortable ordering one of these products and waiting a month to get it and be a little surprised by my impulse purchase that I made 30 days ago. Have either of you guys ever bought anything on QVC? I have never bought anything on QVC, but I have spent many hours watching QVC. Um, we used to play QVC growing up as like a game. Uh, so I, I do like the QVC. What do you mean you used to play? Oh, like, like you, like, it's like make believe like, uh, like, okay, if you call now, we're going to throw <laughs> in uh, the uh, teapot as well. Yeah, exactly. Somebody would pick out a product and you'd be like, this is item F1462. Today we're featuring, you know, Rob, you know, not everybody has that exciting of an existence. (laughs) No, you know what? When I was younger, I used to really love infomercials. Like I would like uh, really like them. Like the Amazing Discoveries was like one and they used to have like different uh, products on that were infomercials. And I used to like them. And one time when I was in college, uh, my friends and I got like really drunk and recorded a uh, George Foreman grill uh, infomercial. You didn't press your hand in it, did you? No, no. 
When I was young, we went outside. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Get you, Mike. You can play QVC outside. <laughs> it really can be played on any terrain. That's true. <laughs> so the real bugaboo for Team Prima is that they end up sort of locked in on this idea where, okay, of course, Carson always has to be the host when they play QVC. And then they had the choice <laughs> of getting Lisa in the shot or Boy George is going to tell his story of weight loss woe. Now, it happened earlier this season where Boy George was going to tell his story. Was Team Prima victorious uh, the last time they went to this play this card, Megan, of Boy George was going to tell his story with the beef jerky? Uh, Team Prima and the beef jerky... Uh, did they win over Brooks uh, Booty Busters? No. Uh, no, I don't think they did. <laughs> okay. So uh, the story was a loser last time, right, Mike? Yes, apparently it's clear to Boy George now, do not talk about your astounding weight loss because you'll lose the task no matter what. The next task could be about Weight Watchers, but don't you talk about it. That's a bad luck charm. I don't know. I just thought all along, it's like, okay, well, yeah, Boy George lost weight, but he didn't lose weight from this thing, so I don't really know how that's a relevant story to And he even this. says that on air. He's like, did they? Did you lose weight this? No, not at all. No, I've never seen this not. in my life. No, I have never seen this thing before. I, I would never I, I in fact that I love garlic so much I don't keep this thing in the house because I'm afraid I'm going to make too many garlicky foods to eat so no absolutely not but I did lose weight and here's a picture of me before I lost weight so I brought my before picture yes. with me paste it onto like what looked like a piece of cardboard <laughs> Yeah, just the, my face, not my body, <laughs> just my face. The boy George before picture is so depressing. Like, why <laughs> he looks sad? Well, it, it looked like a paparazzi photo as well. Like, he didn't even. I don't think he meant for that picture to be taken of him. It's of his like his yeah. ugliest and biggest. <laughs> what was the context of that photo? Of like, uh, boy George, you you really let yourself go. Let's get a picture of this. This is right He's before coming they out put of the, seize candy. He's not smiling. He's not anything. It was right before they put the magic hat on him and he lost 90 pounds. Yeah. But Lisa does seem to uh, quickly adjust to the role of being the producer. And she goes back to the bossy Lisa mode to the point where boy George uh, says that she's just pretending to be a producer, Megan. Yeah, we saw this, too, when she uh, she was the director, right? In the stop double dipping video where she goes into director mode. She needs like a like one of those uh, big megaphones, Mike, and like sort of like the ladder chair so she can like uh, direct from afar. Uh, she didn't bargain for the ladder chair, though. She had to take the <laughs> double flex. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, we're seeing a uh, team Arete get set up with the obsidian slide board. Megan, newsflash. Uh, Matt Eisman uh, thinks Brooke <laughs> is doing a really good job with the slide board. And they they did a great job of like also inserting some like questionable moaning sounds, which I was like, oh, what's happening here? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they get one of those obsidian slide boards. Lisa Gibbons comes and visits both teams and uh, she has uh, some concerns with both teams. Uh, number one for Team Prima, Mike, she doesn't like having Lisa Leslie in the truck. No one likes putting Asta Lovelace to baby in the corner. And that's exactly what they're doing on Team Prima. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, we, we'll see immediate results with Layla here. Of like, If you bring out an athlete for a fitness device then sales are probably going to skyrocket because there's a name associated with it. Uh, I'm sure, I don't know how Boy George would have done as a producer, but 
I do feel like Carson did make a big mistake by not trouting Lisa out here. Yeah, certainly. But the good thing about Lisa Gibbons is that she's very earnest. And uh, even though she's sort of down on them, but then when she hears the story about boy George and his weight loss journey, Megan, she's like, you know, but boy George, he has a story. And so maybe they can make that story work for them. Like she does a good job of trying to sell that maybe it might work out. Sign her up for two double flexes. Two double flexes. Yeah. $99 price point there for the double flex. Uh, Meanwhile, we go to see the Obsidian and it's going to be at $109.99 and it's going to take one month. And Lisa Gibbons is besides herself, Mike. Yeah, I don't. First of all, I don't know if I want to pay $110 for one of those sheets that you use to make thunder noises that you could slide across. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's clear that the, the price point is definitely a concern. And Lisa pretty much, you know, calls out Brooke right there of the do you really want to sell a product that you have to wait a month on? Both of which turn out to be absolutely fine. But I'll admit, I totally bought into the edit personally. I thought Primo was definitely going to take this, but Arete totally crushed my expectations. Yeah, I'm looking on Amazon right now. Let's see the Obsidian slide board at like $159.99. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a steal, Megan, to get the Obsidian slide board from Brooke Burke. She was practically giving it away. Maybe the one on Amazon comes with some extra booties with it. I guess so. Yeah, and, and come, theirs come. had the DVDs. Uh, they had like, this is like another one that's like $99.99, uh, which maybe that's like an off brand uh, competitor to the Obsidian <laughs> slideboard. It's just a bunch of sheets of aluminum foil taped together with that <laughs> shape of Obsidian board. And you and you spray some like Pam or cooking oil on it. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like back and forth. Yeah. But Brooke Burke got really freaked out after uh, Lisa Gibbons uh, comes through. So we see both of our teams do their commercial out on Muscle Beach. Um, we really don't have any sort of major snafu, Mike, with either team as they're going through it. Like nobody even like has like a like a crisis moment. No, the only crisis moment is when Carson freaks out that there are no shirtless men uh, behind him working out. I think he made the really funny comparison of it like being uh, Christmas morning and you're running downstairs and then you find out you're Jewish. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Carson is hosting. They get to the Boy George story. Lisa Leslie seems happy. Megan, uh, no sign that it's a disaster for them. Nope, no sign. I thought there was going to be a couple times where uh, where maybe like something would happen where we get a confessional from Rick, the host of whether who he liked better. But nope, no, nothing happened there. No, not too much. Uh, and it looks like, if anything, it looks like that there's more going to be a problem with Team Arete because Matt Eisman in the booth, Mike, uh, is uh, complaining that Brooke Burke is saying, F it, we'll do it live. Who cares? I love live TV. Whatever. I think that's the only comparison between Brooke Burke and Bill O'Reilly that's been made in this universe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we've seen this from Brooke before in the, uh, in the jerky task that we talked about. She said, I don't really know about details. Let's just sort of wing it and see what happens. Surprisingly enough, both times it actually works out really well, though. I think we were we were might have been in for a rough spot when it gets to the point where they sort of run out of things to say. So Matt just keeps throwing out things for her to talk about. So you have Brooke in like, I don't know, position number 47 out of the Kama Sutra talking about how she's a mother of four. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, uh, that we did have some gratuitous uh, Brooke Burke shots, Megan. Do you feel like that that might have helped spike sales? Uh, perhaps not. I mean, the QVC audience, like they said, is just a bunch of like women walking around watching it. So it may not have, but you're right. Every time they say Brooks, like, I'm just going to wing it. She does the exact same thing. She does some sort of booty exercise. So that's her idea of she's going to wing it. It's, but she keeps doing booty exercises, but then she kept saying, 
Oh, this is uh, all about the abs. Oh, this is so good for my abs. And, uh, you know, that I was, I kept thinking she said something else. I kept yes. thinking that she didn't say abs, Mike. Yes. Uh, substitute a letter in there and let your imagination <laughs> run wild. <laughs> yeah. And then we bring in Layla and she comes in. It looks like that maybe they're going to wait too long to bring her in. She's a busy mom. She has two kids. Uh, everything is everything sounds good. All right. So we get to the boardroom and uh, Carson talks about how the double flex has him even extra pumped up. He wore a tight T-shirt. I'm very surprised that Arnold did not take this is going to be the final opportunity for Arnold to po- poke fun at Carson. But instead, he compliments him and flatters him. Maybe we knew at that point that he was going to get fired because Arnold did not insult Carson in this boardroom. Yeah, that's a good sign. If he really, uh, you know, uh, busts your chops, then it usually means that you're safe. Like when he used to like go after John Lovitz early on, then he stopped like making fun of John Lovitz and had to go all to Patrick Schwarzenegger. So maybe Megan, that means that Patrick Schwarzenegger is actually has a lot of job security. Maybe it does. Maybe. I mean, maybe that also means Matt Eisman is going to win because they poke here at uh, Matt Eisman again. <laughs> yes. What do they say about Matt Eisman? I think they said that we know where you are hiding Matt because of how he looks, I think basically was the joke they made. <laughs> yeah, well, after they tell uh, Team Arete that they won, uh, Matt yells out how he didn't even have to take his shirt off. I, even when even when they said they won, I mean, could didn't Brooke Burke sound like so patronizing? She was yeah. like, I was going to have to get a bacon double cheeseburger if I didn't win. I was like, all right, Brooke, we get it. Well, no, I thought that she really threw a lot of shade at the other team. Uh, here was Absolutely. Brooke Burke. Yeah. Here was Brooke Burke uh, cheering after she realized that she beat Carson and Boy George in the fitness task. Can I just say that if the two of you were going to outsell me in fitness, I was going to get a bacon double cheeseburger and just slide my own self to the chopper. Honestly, I was so prepared. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> you guys are so out of shape and such losers that if I would have lost to you, I would have just given up in life. <laughs> George, George, show me that picture again so I can point yeah. and laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. You think you keep David Charvet not being in shape? <laughs> right, right. Boy, I'm going to get a bacon cheeseburger and let myself go. Boy, Brooke Burke. Also in the boardroom, uh, Arnold revealed uh, his, his sensitivity towards the plight of women who are dealing with uh, any fitness-related issues. Uh, first off, uh, he starts off by telling us uh, that it was a bad idea to not include Lisa in the presentation. Here's what he says. The women that watched the show, that they really will relate to Carson talking about the flabbiness of the back of the arms or that they lose a little control and the outer thigh as they get older or the inner thighs getting a little flabby. That, that they listen to Carson talking about that? Or do you think if a woman would have talked about it and used the machine and crunched together and say, this firms the pectoral muscle and you're going to feel young again. Look at this. It's happening already right now because... <laughs> wow. What a, oh, it really boy. paints a picture, Mike. Yes, Arnold uh, channeling Lorenzo Lamas with that laser pointer from that plastic surgery show by just pointing out all the foibles that exist in the modern older woman. Yeah, what's getting floppy? Talking about the floppiness of the back of the arms. The floppiness of the back of the arms. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're bingo wing. (laughs) (laughs) They're like a wing where old people play bingo, which is what you do when your arms get floppy at that age. 
Megan, as a woman, did you feel like Arnold is being insensitive here in the boardroom? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I thought it was fine. I think because we were talking about a fitness challenge, it's all right to bring out, you know, people losing control of their outer thighs. As long as he wasn't. I think it was more insulting when he maybe insulted Lisa Leslie's age. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> yes. yes. Well, he said uh, for your age. Uh, but then Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to continue uh, with this point after uh, bringing it up once again. As I said to you earlier, mm-hmm. how does a woman sitting out there at the age of 50 and she looks at her thighs and she says, it's like college cheese, it looks yeah. ugly. I can even get undressed in front of my husband. I have to hide behind the bathrobe. You know, I want to get rid of all this. I want to train. I want to get a new exercise equipment. And she cannot relate to him. Well, she would say, what does he know? Boy, wow. This is a, uh, a very uh, troubled relationship with this woman that's in hiding. <laughs> Uh, like the witness <laughs> protection program. What's going to happen if my husband learns about this secret? Yeah, I love how Arnold is basically describing like a Virginia Wolf play by talking about <laughs> this woman who has the woman, a weight problem. She is there when she is hiding from her husband if he finds out about the cottage cheese and then she has to stay in the bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and then she talks about she drowned the child in the pool, but was the child actually alive? <laughs> yes. And then once the husband leaves her, then she will have no way to support herself. And then uh, it's like a, it's kind of a weird picture he's painting, Megan. He's definitely a thigh man. That's like where he goes to for all of his analogies of, of the woman's body. So, uh, you know, I bet Maria has nice uh, thighs. She's a very well, not woman. nice enough. I would imagine nope. <laughs> that maid had much nicer thighs. As I said to you earlier, mm-hmm. how does a woman sitting out there at the age of 50 and she looks at her thighs and she says, it's like college cheese. It looks yeah. ugly. I can even get undressed in front of my husband. He talks with like such disdain. It's like, oh, look at these. This is terrible. This is cottage cheese. Maybe George would have made a better impression with this story if instead of showing a picture of his face, he just showed a picture of the lower half of him so he could show off his cottage cheese-like thighs. Look at these thighs. They were terrible. They were like cottage cheese. Oh, that was so good when George, he showed the picture of his thighs. You should have used him, Carson. Why did you not just cut to the lower half of boy George the entire time? Show off those gams. Everyone knows Brooke Burke has legendary legs. No woman can relate to her. (laughs) Uh, And it wasn't just the parable of uh, this uh, woman who with the cottage cheese thighs that took a lot of abuse. That's my favorite Stig Larson book, by the way, the woman with the cottage cheese thighs. (laughs) Uh, Arnold went back to his favorite whipping boy, uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger, (laughs) to talk about what whether of the two of them who should be the spokesperson for some new protein powder if i go and sell protein powder mm-hmm. with him together i wouldn't send him out there to sell protein powder <laughs> in Beach. i would sell it yeah who has more go out there and says i'm taking 250 grams of protein a day mm-hmm. and this is how i get it not from yes. steaks because you could eat you know 10, 10 steaks a day and you couldn't get it but i get it from this special protein powder yes. concentrated 80 percent protein no fat in it i take that and pow my muscles pop yes you know? so then people say oh, I'm going to get this book. They get excited. They wouldn't get excited if he said, no matter how good he says it, no matter how good he sells it. So that's what I'm saying. Do you even look at Patrick and you see his cottage cheese thighs and has no protein? He could eat 200 packages of Larissa Kitchen and he doesn't even get any protein. His muscles don't pop. 
I also love how it also kind of turned into a pseudo commercial for protein powder because he just starts listing off stats as if he had this script prepared in his head at any point in time to sell protein powder. Because you could eat, you know, 10, 10 steaks a day and you couldn't get it, but I get it from this special protein powder, yes. concentrated, 80% protein, no fat in it. I take that and pow, my muscles pop. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you could totally see, like, a, a Chiron pop-up of, like, the QVC, like, price and quantity left as Arnold is giving that speech. <laughs> Guys, don't worry. I looked it up. Arnold Schwarzenegger does have his own protein powder. <laughs> oh, how many grams of protein? Uh, to be determined. <laughs> I'm- More importantly, how many grams of fat? <laughs> You know, you could be like Brooke Burke and you could go out and eat all the bacon cheeseburger and you get a protein, but then you get lots of grams of fat also. You get cottage cheese thighs like boy George used to have. <laughs> the only problem with the packaging is there's a lot of tape involved. It'll take at least a minute and a half to unpack the protein powder, but it'll be worth it. It's you get part of the workout. We put lots of tape on it like Ricky Williams came in and taped up all your shirt. <laughs> You'll spend the whole afternoon trying to rip the tape off. <laughs> There's nothing inside the bottle. There's nothing inside it. It's called Tape Into Shape. It's my newest workout plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's an excellent price point. Lisa Gibbons says it's even perfect. It's a roll of masking tape, $2.99. (laughs) Takes a month to ship. the market. (laughs) In the marketplace, we're going to dominate. (laughs) I'll have even more money than Patrick Schwarzenegger soon. (laughs) (laughs) He gets no allowance. (laughs) Patrick, you did not clean clean the rumpus room. No billion dollars for you. (laughs) (laughs) So we get back to uh, the three people left from uh, Team Prima. Carson, he's in trouble. He didn't use Lisa. Lisa's in trouble, apparently, that she was not monitoring the stats closely, Megan, that it was a flat line, and she wasn't doing anything to change up what was going on. Lisa says, well, because I never got to see what was working, I never came in and got to see what was positive to tell him to do it again, while Arnold says that he would have run out and uh, demand, he would have taken over the show when he realized it wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, Lisa was basically sitting and watching TV. And could you imagine how great would that have been if Lisa runs out of there and just jumps on stage? That would have been so fantastic. <laughs> Get ready for a takeover. <laughs> George, give me your hat. I'm going up there. Yeah. She would have just taken over. Magic hat, here we go. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. But then, by, and when her magic the hat, she actually gains 90 pounds. That's the power of the hat. <laughs> yeah. Mike, could Lisa Leslie have come out and done a rap to help sell the double flex? Let me tell the amount of pounds you'll use. 53, 92. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, 53, JJ Reddick hitting threes. Lisa Leslie in the house. Clipper Nation, shout it out. Double Flex Nation, shout it out. Pressing garlic. (laughs) Come on, Double Flex Nation. (laughs) 
You could think just, she has easy pay. Could they just recycle the jingle? Like, hey, one last <laughs> time. Or does Steve Ballmer get the rights to it after that? Listen, if uh, if Debbie Gibson could recycle themes, I'm sure Boy George can. <laughs> Okay, uh, so Arnold is uh, really upset with Team Prima. Uh, Boy George sort of uh, gets off scot-free here, uh, Megan. Do you think that Boy George bared any of the blame for this? Uh, you know, I actually, when they kind of started picking on Boy George saying he wasn't saying a lot, I thought maybe George could have went home. I really think you could have picked any two of the three, and I would have felt like it was justified here if they were going to do a a double boot. So I do feel like he kind of slithered away. Double flex. uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mike, should he have just fired the whole team? (laughs) Would have pulled the the La Cucaracha gate that Trump did at the end of the last season. I, I feel like there is at least one person that could feasibly move on to the final four. We'll see if one of the, if uh, boy George is able to rise from the ashes uh, like Clippers nation and be able to uh, make his way into the top two. I don't think it was granted, you know, Schwarzenegger just painted as a total failure in that despite having a higher price point, Arete doubled the sales that Prima did, but I don't know if that's necessarily worth getting rid of all three. I could definitely understand Carson was the head of this sinking ship. He deserved to go. Lisa did not do well in her role as producer. If you had to pick someone else to go home, she would be the one to do it as well. I think George was good to stay uh, scot-free in this case. Yeah, Boy George is probably uh, the biggest name on the board here with all due respect to the rest of the final four. So I think you probably would lose some star power if you lost him. So uh, he will move on to the final four. So next week we'll go down to uh, two from four. Uh, Can we talk winner picks at this point? Because I think it's a pretty open field right now. Megan, of this four... Who do you think is the winner of Celebrity Apprentice? I am sticking with my winner pick of Dr. Matt Eisman. Dr. Matt Eisman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's a good pick. Uh, And I have to say, that's who I'm rooting for at this point. You're going to dump your girl, Layla? Yeah, you know, I'm out on Layla because I thought that she had winner edit and she she still may win, but I have not seen anything that I have enjoyed watching in some weeks on The Celebrity Apprentice. So she may still win, but I think that it's been a a pretty weak run over uh, these last few weeks. Well, let's make it a Boy George hat trick. I'll pick Matt as well. Uh, I, I do honestly feel like if we're looking at the final four, uh, looking at them closely, I think Brooke has the, a pretty winning record. She just won her second task. On the other hand, the only two tasks she won were fitness related. And you have to wonder since the final task is going to probably be like do a fundraising event or make a, a big, you know, multi-star tiered event happen. I don't know if Brooke will be able to do that, especially with her just wing it approach. Uh, mm-hmm. Layla has stepped up a little bit, but she hasn't won since week three. Boy George has done some fun music stuff, but he hasn't been PM since week one, which I feel like is not great in his favor. I feel like Matt is probably the best all-around person. The only drawback he has is in the fundraising department, and even in that one task, he was able to bring in a good amount of money. So I feel like if we're covering all of our bases here, I think Matt is the person to go for right now. 
Yeah, I think that the thing that is working against him, I think in terms of star power, he's probably, you know, uh, towards the bottom of the four in the power rankings. And so in terms of like uh, name recognition, who's the winner of Celebrity Apprentice? I think that that's not working in his favor. And I do feel like, though, even I though I've said that Layla Ali has not done anything. I really feel like that. Schwarzenegger would love to have Leila Ali as his celebrity apprentice. I feel like of these four, that's like the person that he would like to have seen as the winner of the show. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. We've seen it before where, you know, a lot of people would say Annie Duke crushed Joan Rivers in the last cast, but Joan Rivers wins. She's obviously more popular celebrity. Brett Michaels almost died. There was no way he wasn't going to win the Celebrity Apprentice that year. So uh, we've definitely seen this before. Um, there's, of course, Pendulette losing All-Stars because of he wrote like a, something in his book about the Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> it was a magazine so. article. Magazine article. Yeah. 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 That, you know, so definitely we have seen favoritism before. Uh, in the picking of the winner of the Celebrity Apprentice. So uh, it remains to be seen, but I just feel like that Layla Ali is the choice that is most on brand with Schwarzenegger Inc., Mike. Yes, he can then crown her and say, okay, let's examine our new apprentice. Look at these thighs. They're not made of cottage cheese. Look at these yeah, pectorals. Look at the thighs. No cottage cheese there. Let's see, let's see how your calves are doing. Those are very important in bodybuilding, as we all know. Okay, do we have a hashtag for tonight? I would go with... Tape into shape. Tape into, Tape into shape. shape is a good one. Wrap a tepe, uh, cottage cheese thighs. But I think we want to promote this new fitness program that we're imposing onto Arnold. <laughs> so I think tape into shape is best. For only ninety nine ninety nine, you could get tape into shape <laughs> without all the protein you need and all of the tape to build your muscles. <laughs> Check out this clip of me from Tape into Shape. Now, while the show is going on, we now want to inspect the T-shirt. We're looking around and we're going, well, wait a minute, Steve, I know you're very impatient. It's not my fault here. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to get... Hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. That's okay, right, but let, okay let let's watch that. the show. Let's watch the show. But it is, wait a minute. Oh. Yeah, there we are. Oh, there's, there's the shirt. Mike, what do you think of Arnold's improv skills? Uh, he's really a yes ending with that tape. <laughs> really great object work on his part. So if we're, if we're building out tape into shape, it's, it's telling you, you have to work out when you have an important commitment or something you're supposed to be watching. That's the only time you can use tape into shape so that you can be inconvenienced by the tape. <laughs> All this tape is getting in the way. My son's being baptized. Oh no, I got, got through this tape first. Don't start without me, preacher. <laughs> 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 my nephew Patrick is such a weakling he couldn't even open any of these tapes and see any of these shirts there are no yes men in tape into shape yes <laughs> alright uh, well great job once again Megan of course uh, thanks for all of your insight you can follow Megan on Twitter she is at Meg wants to know Megan do you have a Super Bowl prediction oh um, I'm rooting for the Falcons but I think the Pats might take it yeah. Well, are you a Bills fan? I am a Bills fan, so I can uh, sympathize with you with your Jets talk. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll all commiserate on yes. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and Mike, of course, uh, I'm very excited to drop a off-season podcast that you and I are collaborating on of uh, the famous last words of the survivors. Could you give us a tease for that one? 
Yes, uh, there'll be a lot of talks about fruitcake. <laughs> That's not going to make sense now, but wait for like three days from now and it'll become abundantly clear what I mean by that. Man, do I feel like the third wheel in an inside joke? <laughs> All right, and Mike, what else are you up to these days? Oh boy, a big week for podcasts in the Bloomosphere here. Uh, I was recently on the 32 <laughs> fan podcast. Officially, the Bloomosphere? The Bloomosphere. Nobody. Yes, that's the level in the uh, atmosphere that nobody wants to be in when you're operating There's in so there. There's so many podcasts happening in the Bloomosphere. You should listen to all of the tapes. Yes, but it will result in you getting cottage cheese thighs. So maybe uh, don't <laughs> listen to too, too in moderation, everything in moderation. But I'm on the uh, 32 Fans podcast this week talking about Jeff Ross's roast battle, uh, which is a really interesting and sort of like Last Comic Standing uh, meets a the NCAA March Madness. So it was super interesting. They had their big four day uh, season this past weekend. I'll be on the reality TV for happy hour this week. Akiva Winokur, Jordan Parhart, and I. You just mentioned the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the shows from the past 30 or 40 years that premiered after the Super Bowl. Akiva and I, for God knows what reason, have watched nearly all of them between us, and we are here to talk about it. As always, <laughs> t- check out oh what we're doing. It's going to be. Very, very interesting. A lot of lot of uh, homicidal crime shows, surprisingly, premiered after the Super Bowl. Very odd trend. Um, you can check out the Top Chef coverage on on uh, reality TV where Hap Ups, as always, talking about the season of Top Chef. For those of you that might be in mourning for uh, some SNL stuff on post-show recap, I'm just going to leave a little hint. There might be something to wet your whistle dropping in the next couple of days. And as always, check out The Hamster Factor. This week we are reviewing Young Sherlock Holmes. Uh, It should be uh, a doyle of a good time. Yes. Uh, What a tease from uh, Mixmaster Mike. As uh, always, uh, bringing so much uh, joy into the Bloomosphere week after week. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Of course, uh, we will be back with News AF when I get back together with Tyson and Danny to talk about all of the actual factual news stories of the week. And then I will be back with Kurt Clark and Liana Boris to talk about week three of Hunted or episode three of Hunted, uh, which I thought was very strong in the second night. I know uh, we were sort of goofing on it after the first night, but very strong. I thought the second night's looking forward to seeing Hunted come back and then look for some more off-season podcasting with Mike and myself. And don't miss my interview with Jessica Lewis alongside David Bloomberg, her number one supporter who joined me to have a conversation with Jessica Lewis about her journey to the final 10 in this past season of Survivor as we continue our march to Survivor 34. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.